This is a podcast from WSUM. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. It's for the femme cells. It's for the girl failures. It's for the lesbian cringe fails and allies of the LGBTQ+. It's bottoms. Welcome to Pop Culture Coffee Break. I'm Camilla Trimberger Ruiz, and I'm here with my lovely host, Ray. Hey! So today we're going to be talking about Bottoms, which is a new film that we just went and saw in theaters. Um, Literally took the bus like 30 minutes off campus, which was kind of an experience, but... We were dedicated. We were dedicated to the bit, yeah. So I'll give a little synopsis of Bottoms, and then we'll go around, introduce our lovely guests here today, and then we'll go into our very opinionated review, I feel. Um, So Bottoms was released in late august august 25th um it's literally only in movie theaters right now i don't know if that'll change by the time this episode comes out but like currently only in movie theaters um so it follows two best friends pj and josie they're kind of unpopular they're lesbians they're unpopular don't think they're correlated and they accidentally start a fight club in attempts to lose their virginity and like fall in love with these two popular girls um no spoilers on how that turns out, I guess. But yeah, they start a fight club and end up in this like whirlwind with the popular football player and like this this fight that they have. I don't want to give spoilers. I'm you know, the spoilers <laughs> will come as they come. If yeah. this is your official warning, if you haven't watched Bottoms yet, you should. Yeah. And uh, we made the trek, you should too. Yeah. What else should we talk about? Or should we just introduce the roundtable? They've been sitting so patiently. Yeah. Let's introduce our guests. Um, so once again, I'm Camilla. I'm here with Ray. I'm Anna. I'm the community outreach director here at WSUM. I love queer cinema. I love Rachel Sennett. And I'm very excited to be here. Yay! I'm Hiwan. I'm on WSUM News Team. And I have a talk show on Free Flow. Um, I was just along for the ride. Uh, I try to watch movies, you know. I try to have, I try to have a healthy and um, varied uh, diet of of movies and media. And I was like, you know what? I've heard some stuff about this movie. I'm intrigued. Let's go watch it together. No, because literally, I was sitting by Hiwan at the movie theater, <laughs> and she pulls up the trailer literally ten minutes before the movie starts. And she goes, "Wait." They fight in this? <laughs> She's like, wait, it's a fight club movie? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's like the whole plot. Well, to like to get into it, what was everyone's initial thoughts? Um, so I know my initial thoughts because they were quite simple. Um, Ruby Cruz is the hottest person alive. Agreed. Love Seconded. Ruby Cruz. Um, Raise that I motion. Literally, <laughs> I literally, the moment I saw Ruby Cruz on screen, I was like, that's the love of my life. Like, literally, um, call me up whenever, hit me up whenever, I'll fly anywhere. Yeah, um, Ruby Cruz, do you want to hang out Thursday when I'm free? I'm free Thursday. If you want to hang out Thursday when I'm free, just hit me up Thursday. I'm free on Thursday. If you want to hang out on Thursday. <laughs> that's so me. That's so me. Um, that was my initial thought, to be honest. Um, no thoughts, just Ruby Cruz. Um, and then also the soundtrack was amazing. That was my other initial thought. Okay, I think for me, I okay, like every like I'm a, I'm a I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on film Twitter. I listen to the I'm a I'm a patron to the Carson Runquist movie cast. Um, so I this film was like on my radar for as long as they were like filming it. So I was pretty excited. I think just because it is just so so film Twitter, you know. Um. And I was no, I was expecting not much, just kind of like an average, maybe like a return to teen 
not rom-coms, but just like teen movies, you know, a la Mean Girls, uh, stuff like that. Really like, can I say subverted my expectations? <laughs> as the, yeah. It was so, the movie was so much more than just like, I don't know. And like that, so much more, very surreal. Anna, at, when we left the theaters, you described it as kind of like not another teen movie, which I think is a really good description. Uh, so this movie was hilarious. I itchbled. I think we all guffawed <laughs> multiple times in the theaters. I was cackling. It was incredible. Very funny. I loved it. Yeah, um, going off of that, I kind of had the same impression of like, I didn't know a lot about this movie going in, but I was like, okay, it's going to be like a queer coming of age movie, like Booksmart. And, you know, it, <laughs> it does share some similarities, but it was much more satirical than I was expecting. Like, it definitely made fun of, like, like the tropes that we see in a lot of, like, um, teen coming of age movies that are coming out nowadays, which I really liked. Um, I feel like they were pretty self-aware of, like, what genre of movie they were in, like, the story that they were telling, which I thought was pretty refreshing. Yeah, no, I think it definitely lives in a place of absurdity, which I was not expecting. I thought it was going to be a lot more straightforward, like Booksmart. Not that Booksmart, like, entirely makes sense <laughs> and is completely tied down uh, with all the trestings of reality, but it's not as, like, surreal as Bottoms is. I think Bottoms almost has this, like, Riverdale-esque quality. Not, Wait, not a so... negative comparison. Not a negative comparison. But the fact that, like... <laughs> Riverdale just doesn't engage with like the rules of reality it's yeah. all about like telling the story and you know subverting like genre and using tropes to like either make a joke or make a point usually they're making a joke yeah um, sometimes they try to make because spoiler alert they like kill people at the end like, yes and no one bats an eye like yeah, they're just no. chilling there like. I was very surprised by the amount of explosives in the movie yeah. S- yeah. pleasantly surprised because it was it was great I thought that like they did a great job at doing that kind of like heightened comedy that like almost you know surrealist like absurd thing uh, my first impression of the movie though I was also privy of its existence for a <laughs> while because I'm a big fan of Rachel Senna and AO Rachel and AO or AO and Rachel a single their Comedy Central series highly recommend and Emma Seligman's last movie Shiva Baby was also a collaboration with Rachel Senna it's kind of like a De Niro Scorsese thing but better because inherently women. Um, True. <laughs> we can leave, we can leave that in. Just a little bit of just a little <laughs> bit of a little bit of femcel misandry. Um, but that movie was fantastic. Loved it. Uh, won the John Cassavetes Award at the Independent Spirit Awards in twenty twenty one. Maybe I think that was the year that it came out, which is um, a award given to the ensemble and cast and crew of a film that was produced with a budget, I think under $50,000. So Shiva Baby was kind of this like huge breakout hit for Emma Seligman, Rachel Senna, and then seeing this movie, like I guess I thought it was gonna be a lot more like Shiva Baby where it was very kind of stripped back, but this was so like out there. It was very like flashy and loud. I am so curious as to how much it costs for them to use Avril Lavigne's Complicated. I wonder if it was more than the fake blood budget or if it was less. (laughs) Sound off in the comments. Yeah, we we need to talk about the soundtrack and specifically Avril Lavigne because I was gagged when I saw that part. Like when when Avril Lavigne Complicated started playing, I was like, hold on. I was gripping the seat. I got full body chills. I was like, everyone (laughs) shut up. Like we need to talk about this because it's so important. Also, Charlie XCX so good yeah scored the movie co-scored the movie yeah with leo birenberg 
Yes. I believe is the name of the other composer. Yes. Incredible. I, I think, yeah, Complicated, like, stood out so much because that was at such a, like, an, an actual, like, sad part of the film where I was like, you feel it in, like, your gut. This is, like, when the girl failures are girl failing so aggressively. But then Complicated drops. There's a scene where... um Oh, what's his name? The coach who's like an actual NFL, like yeah. ex-NFL. Marshawn Lynch. Yes, Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> he like crosses out feminism on the, like the whiteboard <laughs> and it goes with like the beat drop and because you're actually like sad about this, but then like yeah. it's also complicated, but like it actually like, I don't know. Also, Marshawn Lynch was great in this movie. Was Just so like quick funny. sidebar. It reminded me of when the when the Green Bay Packers were in Pitch Perfect yeah. 2, where it's like they're actually funny because he's, uh, for listeners who might not know, he was on the Seattle Seahawks for many years. I feel like that's probably what he's best known for. Yeah. But like he's not an actor, really. He's a, he's a celebrity, but he's a football player. He was also in 80 for Brady, but that's like a football movie. So I need to watch that I haven't movie. seen 80 for Brady, but I know he's in it. <laughs> no, literally, going back to the Avril Lavigne, Camilla, so Camilla follows me on Tumblr, and I don't know if you saw all my reposts oh, on did. bottoms, but literally this one person posted, I'm watching Josie kick a can down the street to Avril Lavigne's complicated with such a visceral, holistically lesbian experience. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, wait, that brings me to my next question. So I guess this is for our LGBTQ plus folks in the room. But so just in terms of like the grand scope of like, I think, gay media, you know, like we came from a place, not we, I'm sorry, not including myself (laughs) in there. Well, okay, from what I know of like LGBT cinema, you know, there's like a lot like, I know, in terms of like comedy, there's like, but I'm a cheerleader, but then we were kind of in a place where every like Obama era everything has to be positive representation we got a lot of love Simons or love Simon as characters <laughs> this we were kind of talking about love Simon before the movie started but what did you guys think about what this means for gay representation <laughs> is kind of what I'm getting oh at. yeah so I think for me this feels like a callback um to like the new queer cinema movement so people like John Waters Greg Araki and but I'm a cheerleader like films like that where they're even if they were working on a studio budget and through a studio, which often they weren't, it was not meant to be like a mainstream crowd pleasing film for every single person. It's like John Waters made movies with a queer audience in mind, oftentimes, as did Greg Araki. I mean, but I'm a cheerleader is so <laughs> very much for a gay audience. There's so many jokes in there that seem like they're really aimed at queer people and not just like meant to be you know laughed at by uh sort of a maybe the less queer audience um and then also I mean those films definitely have a sort of like absurd streak a very kind of like sarcastic and self-aware sense of humor and very like kind of campy aesthetic so I think in a lot of ways it felt it felt great. I feel like Tom Cruise when he's like, the movies are back <laughs> when there's like three Literally. movies playing in theaters at once. And he's like, we're back, people. It's like the president of the United States of movies. We're has so spoken. back. But as the president of the United States of queer movies, <laughs> I will speak now and say <laughs> that I think I think this this is a good thing. I think it feels like a watershed moment for representation, not just this, but a lot of other stuff that's come out in the past couple of years where it seems like the reaction to that Obama era content has been sort of a return to form, a a return to like creating queer movies for queer people and not as like educational tools for the rest of the population to like learn about what like gayness is. 
Yes. Going off of that, I think I was very su- like pleasantly surprised because it was like very lesbian centered, which I feel like the representation of that might have been very clouded in the past. Yeah. Like, no. I mean, as I mentioned, like John Waters, Greg Araki, both men. But I'm a cheerleader. That's the one movie that I can think of right now that is like a movie mostly about yeah. lesbians. Yeah. So I really was enjoying how it was like very. I don't know if it was produced by women, but I'm gonna assume maybe it was made by oh. queer people. Well, for I mean, Emma Seligman, people. female director. Yeah, uh, I believe it was written. She wrote it with a team that included Rachel and Ao. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wait, yeah, it does say that's the director. So yeah, there's a John Waters has a great quote where he talks about like how you need representation behind the camera as well. Like it's you know it's great to have gay actors playing gay roles, but also if you really want it to be authentic, you should get a gay writer. Yeah. <laughs> like no, actors sure. can actors can act. Yeah. Writer's job is to write the material that they're acting. <laughs> and I think that's a great point. Yeah, going back to Camilla's earlier point of like that Obama era of like queer content being like very positive and very like I want I want to say like one dimensional, I guess. Just like sanitized. Yeah. I think that's a good um I remember like at the start of the movie, like at the start of Bottoms, uh, the two main characters are talking about like how, like oh people don't hate us because we're gay they hate us because we're gay and untalented <laughs> which honestly I thought that was pretty funny but going off of that it kind of made me think of like like I feel like that Obama era media it's like oh you're gay and therefore you are a perfect person which you know isn't the reality like I liked how this movie emphasizes like these are teenage girls like they're gonna mess up but but you see like the growth and and the arc of those main characters like they're still teens and yes they mess up they they did some questionable stuff but at the end of the day they still you know apologize to the people that they need to apologize and they still try to amend their mistakes and I feel like it was really nice seeing them just kind of go through like the traditional coming of story like arc but they just happen to be gay you know I agree Rachel Sennett is so good at playing like awful like people that you just like are like I can't support you in any way (laughs) and uh, no it was just so I I mean not that I am gay but I was like oh my god I'm so happy that there can be like gay people that suck on screen yeah (laughs) no it's like dude it's like this is just like tar but it's also not like tar in so many ways but I had a very long conversation with my roommate after we watched tar about like having this like movie about a very famous lesbian who you know, does a lot of things that are bad. I'm not going to spoil Tar on this episode because it's not about Tar, so (laughs) with all due respect. But I felt like that was also, that was really important. And just the fact that that movie was like this long, like drawn out character study about like not only a lesbian, like, or not only a a woman, but like a lesbian woman. That's like, we don't really get these kinds of movies very often. Like usually those like slow cinema where it's like a, you know, man slowly, kind of losing his mind or whatever. It, it's always a man. It's always a man. It's never a lesbian. And we got to have that last year. And then we got to have Fight Club for lesbians <laughs> this year. <laughs> One thing it made me think back to, which is maybe a niche reference. Did you guys ever watch Are You the One? It's like a reality dating TV show. Well, for context, in 2019, uh, for their eighth season, they usually it's like like eight, like 16 straight people are stuck on an island together and they have to like, you know, fall in love or they get voted off. But for their eighth season, they decided that instead of having it just be like 
eight men, eight women. They were like anyone of any gender identity and they're all bisexual or pansexual and let the chaos ensue. Um, it's like one of those shows where it's like they sleep in like a villa, but they only have one mattress that fits like 18 people. It was, oh my God. And I watched this at summer camp with my friends. And let me tell you, it was so, I, we were so happy. I was like, this is the first time I've seen gay people that suck. Like these people are awful yeah. people. They were horrible. They were gaslighters. They were liars. They were cheaters. And I was like, I think this means that something, something is coming. I mean, this was still during a time where like Queer Eye was like huge. I mean, we still, ha- I mean, we still have like stuff like you know Heartstopper, which I haven't seen. Ray, I know you're a big fan, but <laughs> I, I, it, I think it's like clean, safe for straight people to watch. But I don't know. It reminds me of how right now there is a lesbian with a job on uh, Real Housewives of New York. <laughs> She's like one of the housewives is Jenna Lyon, Jenna Lyons, um, famous fashion designer. I'm, I'm probably butchering what her actual job is, but she's involved in that. And she's one of the real housewives of New York this season. An and a lesbian. lot of the drama is about uh, all the other housewives wanting her approval because she's like really famous and cool. And they all <laughs> want her to like them. <laughs> there were so many good bits in this film and I think this is something that we can very well spoil does everyone want to say their favorite bit or gag that made them guffaw cackle howl even Piwan can we start with you I'm still thinking (laughs) I'm also still thinking okay one of my absolute favorite lines in the movie is from Kaya Gerber as Brittany when she's studying for their test in Marshawn Lynch's class and says like who is bell hooks and why do we care <laughs> is the and also the the whiteboard everything that marshawn lynch did was hilarious but at the end when he's like i knew women were good the whole time yes. like, that broke me and when he has the the chalkboard and it says feminism who started it a gloria steinem b a man c another woman <laughs> it was so Good. I, yeah, once again, all of our Sean Lynch's bits were so funny. But for me, the part where I was like, I'm like crying laughing was uh, during one of the montages where they're all like learning to fight each other. And oh, I forget the actress's name, but the, the girl that was like very intent on killing her stepdad where yes. she's like, oh my, because they do like <laughs> the girl who huffs paint. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and screams slay. Yes. That was what I'm getting at. When she, There's like a whole minute where she's just screaming slay queen at Josie and PJ after they do something like gay and nice. I think I can't remember what they did, but it's like a whole minute it of her just like screaming, so funny. and I was there were tears on my face. Also, I would add one of my other favorite bits was the football players and how they were all like I don't watch Germa, but they all felt like they like st- <laughs> it, it all felt like like they, like they were like in their like trailers on set like watching Germa to get his mannerisms down, um, like the way that like I don't know like they would like put their hands over their face and the way that they would run and they were so yeah. absurd and I loved it. <laughs> it was like in um super bad when they all run really stupid you know what i mean like michael Sarah, <laughs> and you're like loser <laughs> that's I, what they did i think this this isn't my favorite bit i'm blanking on like every single bit of the entire movie now but a really really funny bit was when jeff who's the fo- the main football player was dancing in his room <laughs> with his headphones on oh my god yes they're literally like to, lighting uh, his car total eclipse of the heart yeah <laughs> and like the girls are literally egging his house, toilet papering his house, and then they literally put, like, Hazel bombed his car. Like, hello? That's my girl. It was so it funny. Was awesome. yeah, that- 
Yeah, speaking of which, I love it when um, when they're like, Hazel, we need a bomb. She's like, oh, now you want a bomb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, another thing, okay, I guess this isn't maybe like a bit for humor, but one thing that I did notice in the film as well, I think it's just because I just watched It Follows a few weeks ago, and I don't know if you guys have seen that, but one thing that the director intentionally did was like have no like modern technology in it ah. where like they all like all their tvs are super old like they're they have their flip phones are like shaped like shells and not that that exactly happened in bottoms but i did notice right away that there was no like they like the not football a cell players, phone in sight the, just vibes the football player the one i can't remember his name but he had a flip phone and i was like oh i love that you kind of can't tell what what year it is because like they obviously like they talk and they kind of dress like it's like the modern day but like they're all dressed in styles that are like you know, teens now that dress like Y2K kind of vibes. Yeah. And yeah. I think you couldn't really like place it other than like, I don't know, maybe cultural it vibes. It reminds me of um, Sex Education did that, the Netflix show, yeah. where it's it has a very modern feel to it, like story-wise and the characters, and yet it looks like it's like the early 90s. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I don't know. There's a, I feel like there's a, a lot of directors have commented on this about like the presence of cell phones in movies. They're like, it takes a lot of the kind of action and like the spark out of like your script. If you're constantly showing people like on their phones and using phones. And also there's a lot of contrivances of plot that just don't make sense. If you think for a second, like, wait, these people have phones, they can like contact each other. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's, that or if they were trying to go for kind of like what you said like this sort of y2k feel that seems like maybe it's more that but also no phones just people living in the moment yeah like maybe the football players were just like off the grid they read that luddite teens article in the new york times (laughs) i know i have i look at you know i look at flip phones like when i'm in class like because i want to buy like a blackberry you know i watched the bling ring three times this summer and i just want a phone like that like a very sleazy but i don't know i feel like i've like read and like watched a lot of reviews of this movie and no one has commented on that so i really like the costuming choices that they made like i love how they had the football players and the football uniform the entire time um i feel like also with the outfits like um like sometimes like with some characters it was really ambiguous like what era um they were from like i think uh pj and the other main character i feel like their outfits were a little bit more ambiguous and then like the popular girls it's very much like like fast fashion, um, sort of like what's trending right now. So I thought that was really interesting um, from just like a costuming perspective. And going back to the football player, I loved like the entire bit with Jeff and like Hazel's mom. Like I like I, I was <laughs> not expecting it. And then and then when Hazel and like Jeff were like confronting each other and like at the pep rally, he was like, "Shut up, nerd! I screwed your mom!" Like that was so good. <laughs> no, there were so many good bits. Carolina succession. Yeah. <laughs> Just a quick shout out to my girl, Dagmara Domenchik, who is Hazel's mom, Mrs. Callahan, <laughs> and <out>. also Carolina <laughs> Succession. <laughs> one of the, the one question that I had written down was, uh, it said, final question, would you guys join this club? I a thousand percent well, yes. would. Are you kidding? <laughs> Hazel's there. Like, Hazel's there. I'm there. Like, anywhere she goes, I'm there. Yeah, I need a I need to join this club so I can become friends with Josie and then have her drive me to Kohl's so we can shop for clothes in the boys section together. That's so <laughs> true. Also, like Camilla was talking about this afterwards, but she was just like, I kind of just want to like punch someone now, and I was like, that's yeah. so me. Like I just want to punch someone. Like 
for the bit. Like, that sounds so fun. Right, because, like, sometimes I have the urge to, like, grapple, which I think is, like, a, you know, maybe, like, a very masculine urge. I I don't know. I, I had this realization. A masculine urge to grapple. To grapple. <laughs> to just, like, wrestle with your boys. Um, one thing that I realized over the summer is that, um, well, a lot of boys, or it's very common, if you ask a guy, like, oh, do you think you could beat your dad in a fight? They have this whole scenario planned out in their head. And... I'm like, I'm never going to be able to fight my dad. Like, it's never going to be an, an, like, never going to be, like, an equal fight. And it made me very upset for, like, an entire week that I just can't, like, fight my dad. And not so, that I dislike my dad. I love my dad. I just want to know that, like, you know, for so alpha purposes. We all need to make the workout plans get out of the group chat so that we can go fight our fathers. Yeah. <laughs> Punch someone in the nose. Yeah. Maybe my dad. Love my dad. Shout out, Eric, if you're listening. <laughs> other than that, do we have any other final thoughts? Anything that we didn't... I know we didn't have, like, questions fully written out. We're kind of going with the flow. Otherwise, I think that might be it. Once again, rating thank you. Rating of the movie? Yeah. Oh, oh rating. Right. Rating? Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, so our last, our last part of this is going to be... Oh, my gosh, wait. Nope. I have two things. Already. <laughs> So we actually had another person join us for the movie, but she could not make it to the po- to the podcast recording episode because she had to leave. But Lexi, our news director, was here. She literally popped in, then left, and was like, tell everyone on the podcast that I was kicking my feet, giggling, loved the movie. What else did she say, Anna? Um, she said it was so slay. This is a new segment called Lexi's Corner, by the way. <laughs> uh, premiering today she said it was slay she said she laughed she cried it was it was beautiful loved it yeah no notes yeah she had she had no critiques of it um but yeah with that we'll go into the rating the movie portion um which i'm pretty sure i have everyone in this room on letterbox now (laughs) so i have like the urge to pull up letterbox but i know that i think i know my thoughts initially um i gave it four and a half stars um, I think if I rewatched it, I would probably rate it five. Um, I just did not like, yeah, it's a fight club, but like some of the, I didn't really comprehend mentally beforehand that it was going to be really bloody. And so that's literally the only reason I took off 0.5. Um, otherwise five full stars loved it. My letterbox caption is literally all in caps. Help. I love Hazel so much. Yeah, exactly. I also gave it a four and a half, but I agree. I think on a rewatch, this can easily become a five for me. I don't think it's going to age poorly. I just want to see how it ages if I watch it again, like, in six months or when it hits streaming services. That's so true. <laughs> I gave it five stars. You're five. so real. <laughs> I loved it. It was it was hilarious. It was an engaging watch. Like, I was eyes glued to the screen the entire time. Got full body chills multiple times. Gripping the seat. So true. It was... It was wonderful. It was everything I wanted it to be and more. I'm probably biased because I love movies with lesbian characters. So and true. I love movies directed by women. So true. But five out of five stars. Yay. <laughs> I'd say straight out of the theater, I would have given it like a four because, again, I had no idea what I was going, like <laughs> what I was walking into. I was like, oh, so this is what the movie's about. Oh, that's an unexpected turn. But. Like you guys, I think if I watch it again, like since I kind of know what I'm getting into now, I think I would definitely rank it higher. That's a lot to process, like right on the spot. I commend you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, I think that's all we have for today. Once again, thank you so much, Anna and Hiwan, for coming on. I'm Camilla. I'm Ray. And this was Pop Culture Coffee Break, and we'll see you next time.
Ugh. Because of the internet, I don't even know what a newspaper is or how to open it. How in the world am I going to stay informed? Ew, what's a newspaper? Okay, boomer. Oh, I know. What about tuning into WSUM to hear what their news team has to say? You can tune in every Sunday at 3 p.m. for their news hour and every Monday through Thursday at 5 and 6 p.m. for their daily news update. They have the latest in politics, culture, and campus life and also offer quality journalism with their proud Badger spirits. That's right. You can tune in right here at WSUM 91.7 FM, Madison. Be sure to catch them online at WSUM.org. Plus, you can check out their Twitter at NewsWSUM and on Instagram at WSUM News. Yay! Yay!